Good morning, everyone. So, <clears throat> I get to take pastor's place in uh, reading the announcements, and I will say the same thing I said the last time I was supposed to give the announcements. It's all written here, and you guys have an hour to uh, skim through and see what you want to do. The only thing I can say is Bible study for the men on Saturday. We have a great time. Every once in a while we bring donuts. So anybody that wants to do that it starts at 8 o'clock on Saturday morning. We have a real good time. And they'll probably talk you into learning golf. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> so now I would like to introduce our pastor for today. It's... I have to do this. It's George Hennessy. That's okay. Hennessy. That's yeah. okay. A lot of people have trouble with my last name, and so you know they've called me Henny, Heine, Henny, whatever. So to help them out, I tell them it's Heinz, like the ketchup. The only difference is the I and the E are interchanged like the ones and zeros in our bank account. His are all trading, mine are all leading. Okay. And I, I, I did know it was Heinz, I told him to do by that. The way, but I told he he to told that. me to do that. Yeah. So. But uh, there was a time when Suzanne's mom lived up in Oregon. And when I would tell people that we're going up to uh, uh, Boring, Oregon to visit her mom, they'd give me a funny look. You know, that's not a statement about the state of Oregon. It's actually the town in which he lives, named after the founding people, right? So imagine if I was born into that family instead of the Heinz family. Here's Pastor Boring to do your sermon this morning. <laughs> so anyway. So, but anyway, let's welcome Pastor and his, and his wife, Susan. Yeah. Good luck. Mm -hmm. So we have music.
Let us begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand if you're able. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires known, from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and true, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Merciful God, we confess that we are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in word, thought, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved your, our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us. Have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you, and for his sake God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this congregation and for the, the well-being of all, I'm sorry, for this congregation and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory are His. This is the feast of victory for our God. Hallelujah. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation, blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Also be. 
Glorious Father, your blessed Son came down from heaven to be the true bread that gives life to the world. Grant that Christ, the bread of life, may live in us as we in him who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forevermore. Good morning. The first reading this morning is taken from the book of Kings, chapter 19, verses 1 through 8, and this can be found in your Pew Bible on page 559. And the book of Kings is an historical record of the kings of, Is of the Israelites, uh, good and bad, those that followed the covenant with God and those that did not, and the consequences that followed. Um, Ahab, just a couple of notes, Ahab was one of the kings who was not reverent to God for a period and then changed and became very reverent to God. You'll hear a reference to 40 days and 40 nights, which is a similar time frame, as you know, of uh, Moses wandering in the desert and Jesus being tempted. And Horeb, towards the end, is, uh, I believe, synonymous with Mount Sinai. So we read, chapter 19, beginning with the first verse. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. Side note, the prophets in this case are, are prophets of Baal. They're false prophets to a false god. So he wasn't killing Christian prophets. So he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Now we will read Psalm 34, verses 1 through 8, responsively. It's printed in your bulletin. This is a psalm of King David, a praise to God after he had acted insane, that is David, of course, acted insane before King Abimelech, who then released him. Psalm 34, beginning with the first verse. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me, let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Our epistle this morning is taken from Paul's letter to the people of Ephesus, Greece. New Christians they were. So it's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through chapter 5, verse 2, and this can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1821. As a side note, this is timeless advice, and it certainly applies today. 
Israelites. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come into your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gospel according to St. John, the sixth chapter. Glory. Do you, O Christ, Lord? Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those, all those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of my, who, him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at that last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up on the last day. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. 
Now no one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet you died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the, the life of the world. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Hmm. I'd like to use um, PowerPoint with my uh, sermons, but you don't have PowerPoint. So I had printed an insert, which I don't think showed up in the bulletin. Oh, you got it? Okay, good. Suzanne's didn't have it. <laughs> so I'll refer to the slide numbers. There, some of them are missing because they were just blanks. So to get it on one page, I left those out. That's good that you have it. Now, I only have 47 pages. No, not really. <laughs> Seven, okay. The sermon, as you can see in there, is titled One Way. Uh, have you ever been frustrated in a conversation with somebody where you just wanted to tell them, you know, they named streets after you, one way? <laughs> I have, I know. I had a person in my life that thought that they knew how to live my life better than I did. And in fact, they went so far as to take action on my personal affairs without my consent or knowledge. In reality, many people throughout time have insisted on having things one way, their way. Maybe in this age of entitlement, it's our kids that are insisting on having things one way. You got it, their way. A friend of mine, a single mom, uh, was struggling with making ends meet. I'm sure some of you have experienced that feeling of not enough money and too much month, right? So she asked her children, uh, to give her a, a handout around the house, right? But <clears throat> the reaction that she got was from the daughter was, but mom, you're supposed to take care of us. Now that might be acceptable for a, a 10 or 12 year old, but the girl was 24 and had a job and the son was 18 and he was employed as well. Entitlement, the kids insist on having things one way. Way. For some people, the insistence on having things one way, their way, extends to insisting on salvation one way. You got it, their way. Some want to believe that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you truly believe it. And in others, they believe that all roads, all faiths, all religions lead to the, the same place, heaven, slash, a.k.a. salvation. Have you ever considered that God wants and insists on having everything one way, his way? Fortunately, God's interest in what is best for us, he desires the best. He loves us perfectly. However, he insists there is only one way for us to gain salvation, and that's God's way, his one way. Today, we're going to look into what God's way, his one way is. In order to discover God's way is one way. We're going to look at what the Apostle Paul said is God's way of salvation. The only way he has and we can receive salvation. The only possible way to know for certain that salvation is ours. We find Paul's teachings in the, on this subject in Ephesians chapter 2. Evidently, Paul's congregation, there were a few people insisting on having salvation one way, their way. Let me read a, a portion of Ephesians and, um, to you. If I can get to it here. My fingers don't want to work. 
starting at verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If you look at um, verse 5 there, he tells us that uh, we've been saved by grace. Then Paul repeats it again, uh, exactly what he said in verse 5, but he doesn't stop there. He adds some other qualifying remarks. Look at the verse 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God and not of works, so no one can boast. The grammar indicates that the this refers to salvation by grace. Let us examine what is not God's way, the, his one way. The answer is in the qualifying remarks. Paul says that the means, the method of providing salvation has nothing to do with anything concerning us. We are not a part of how it is provided. Look at verse 8 again. Not from yourselves. We cannot offer anything of ourselves, so we can't give him something in exchange for his gift of salvation. He owns everything, including us. He, God does not owe us anything. We owe him everything. There's nothing within us that impresses him. Not our good looks, not intelligence, not our heritage, nothing. Although some of you might qualify on good looks. Oh, wait a minute. He gave us everything that we are, so that doesn't count. God is holy, holy, holy. He's totally set apart from everything else that there is. There's no one, nothing like him. <clears throat> He's perfect in every way. And that's what he expects from us. On the other hand, we're all sinners, corrupt in every way compared to God. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. What about God, good works, good deeds? God says works don't cut it. They are of no benefit as far as salvation is concerned. The reason God does not accept good works or good deeds is twofold. He does not allow boasting. Look at verse 9. Not by works, so no one can boast. And the second reason is apart from Jesus, who <clears throat> we can do nothing. In John 15, you, the parable of the vine tells us that. And even the Apostle Paul realized that he had the inability by works, and it also extends to us as well, to achieve salvation through good works because of our bondage to sin. Sin which only Jesus can free us from. All boasting about ourselves, our good deeds, is sinful pride. <clears throat> if salvation could be obtained by good deeds, how would they be judged? By a panel of judges like on American Idol or the Olympics and holding up scorecards? If so, God's requirement is a perfect 10 all the way across to his law. And none of us are perfect. We cannot save ourselves. We have nothing to do with how <clears throat> salvation is obtained, to, uh, provided to us. Works, good deeds are not accepted because of boasting. It's not allowed and perfection is not in us. Bottom line, we can't save ourselves. <coughs> Sorry, we get a little dry throat. So what is God's way, his one way? The good news of the gospel is that God himself provided our, uh, for us, for our salvation. We are saved by God's grace, the rich mercy and abundant love of God. Look at verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved. Now to help visualize that, I have this coin here. And the one side is God's grace, and the other side is his mercy. They're two sides of the same coin. By his grace, we get what we desire, salvation. By his mercy, we don't get what we deserve, punishment. And like all precious coins, they're, they're forged out of precious metal, like gold, silver, or platinum. The precious metal of God's grace and his mercy is the precious blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who was crucified 
and rose from the dead. It is by his death and resurrection that Jesus provides the means, the method by which God can provide his grace and his mercy and still be a just God and a loving God. Amen. And the good news is that this gift is a free gift. All you have to do is receive it in order to take advantage of it. Receive it and it's yours. Amen. Amen. I lost my spot here. Okay. verse 8 again, it says that uh, it's a gift of God. It is such an extravagant gift. Its worth is beyond measure. We could never have purchased it for ourselves. It's too beyond our means. God pray, paid for it with his blood. Jesus did. He, Jesus is God. If we tried to obtain it, say, with our riches, our good deeds, it would, be, it would not be a gift. It would be a purchase or at worst, an attempt to bribe God. If either the giver or the receiver attaches strings or conditions to the gift, then it's a bribe. And if we say we are owed the gift, it becomes an obligation like the wages of our work. A gift is only a gift if it's freely given and freely received. Salvation is a gift of grace and mercy forged in the precious blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ made it possible through his death and resurrection. Amen. How do we receive the gift? As we said, it's a, it's a receive it by putting aside all the things that you thought you were saved by and putting your trust in the one who made the promise that your sins are forgiven. Look at uh, verse uh, 8 again. For by grace, through faith, this is God's only way, his one way. I can hear somebody thinking in their head, why can't uh, I just love God and he know that I love him? Hmm. Good sentiment. He, this assumes that God needs our love. God does not need anything if he did, whatever supplied that need would be God instead of him. God does not leave, need our love, but he desires it. He already loves us perfectly before we existed. He can't love us any more than he already does. Love is only part of God, who God is. Among other things, he's also a just God. An excessive exercising his justice, there's no way that he would acquit the guilty or dismiss the gay, uh, case or throw it out or just ignore it. If there was no need for justice, Jesus would not need to die on the cross. If there was no love, there would be no reason for Jesus to die on the cross as well. Jesus' death and resurrection is the only way God can be both just and loving in giving us his gift of salvation. There is only one way to be saved. We cannot save ourselves. God's way is his one way of salvation is by his free gift of grace and mercy forged in Jesus Christ's precious blood. And to receive the gift is to, to receive it uh, in faith, putting our faith in the promise of the one who made the, the promise, our Lord and Savior, Jesus God, Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about a friend of mine. His name is Bob. Name changed to protect the guilty. Okay. As I go along, I will point out the things that made him think he was saved, a Christian. He grew up in a Christian family, ancestry. 
He went to church with his family on a regular basis, membership. He knew and believed all the Bible stories, knowledge, we call it intellectual assent, acknowledging truths about Christ and salvation. He was generous, good deeds. He got married and had three children and took them to church. Again, membership. He had a problem with the congregation he belonged to and told his wife, we're out of here, we can be good enough without church. Good works. Bob became a director of a computer manufacturer and had the power and the authority. He had 150 people, employees, working for him. He reported directly to the vice president of operations. One word from him would shut down the whole company. He had all the toys and money, a sailboat, a Class A motorhome, and plenty of money to spend on anything he wanted. He was conducting Bible studies at work during the lunch hour, and all the trappings of worldly success were upon him. He must be a Christian. Look at how God's blessing him, and he even studies the Bible. But then, one Sunday morning, while Bob was sleeping in late, it was not a Sunday morning, a Saturday morning. He wouldn't sleep in on Sunday. Not. A loud, stern voice woke him up. Bob, you're going to lose everything. Bob responded, okay, but not my family. Can you imagine in negotiating with God on what would be or not be? One year later, after Bob had laid off the 150 people working for him, it was his turn. He was 50 years old, out of work for the first time in his life. No income, no power, no authority. He had lost everything except his family. He was humbled. Now God had to get tricky because Bob had not attended church for more than 10 years, and God wanted him to hear the gospel. Think about it. God, uh, Bob thought that he was already saved, but it was a false piety. It was all externals. There was no heart righteousness. God inspired Bob and his wife to build a home-based business. Now this business held uh, quarterly meetings, and that's where the trick comes in. At these meetings, they would hold a non-denominational service on Sunday in the auditorium. If you went to church, you got to stay in your seat instead of going back outside with five or 6,000 other people and then having to fight for your seat. Bob's only goal was to get a good seat. Well, the third time he did this, Bob heard the gospel with his heart and he accepted God's gift of grace by salvation by grace and mercy. Finally, Bob was saved, a saved Christian. God's way, his one way, his only way. Now, for those of you that think that once you you're, are a Christian, your life is going to be perfect from then on, fast forward to today, 29 years later. Bob lost his little Jesus, little gods, you know, the, the motorhome, the sailboats, and all that type of thing, and the money that he could spend on whatever. And for 22 of those 29 years, he was out of work, at least no W-2 type jobs, except for the difference between 20, seven years out of that 29. However, God was faithful and did provide income for him, always just enough in the checkbook. Now, if you think that I just made this story up, I guarantee you it's a true story because Bob is really me. That's my sorry story. You see, there is only one way, God's way, his one way to salvation. Salvation is God's gift of grace and mercy forged in the precious blood of our crucified Christ. All the glory belongs to God. Amen. Now, for those of you that have already accepted God's gift of grace and mercy, remember that there may be one of the old me sitting right next to you in the pew that hasn't yet received that precious gift. Make sure they hear the gospel so the Holy Spirit can awaken them to the need to accept God's gift. And for those of you that have already received the gift, I ask you to ponder on the great love that God has for you and what he's already done for you. And just thank him by loving him back.
Amen. There's always the question of uh, assurance. How can we be sure that we're saved? Can we trust God's promise? The enemy will lie to you. Satan wants you to remember everything that Jesus has already forgiven and forgotten. For example, my mom, Viola, lived with Suzanne and I for the last 18 months of her life in, in hospice. Near the end of the, the time, one night she woke me up screaming in fright. As I held her in my arms, she told me that God doesn't want me. She was terrified. I told her, someone's lying to you. God's desires that none should perish, but all should repent and be saved. You can find that in Ezekiel 18.32 and 2 Peter 3.9. That gave her peace, and she was able to go back to sleep. God has kept every promise he's ever made, and there are still more to come to fruition. God can make and keep his promises because, one, he cannot be overpowered. He is Elohim, Almighty God. Nobody can overpower him. He cannot be overruled. He is the name above all names, Adonai, Supreme Sovereign. He is immutable. He doesn't change. He's the same as he was and is and will be. So he's not going to change his mind on salvation, yours or mine. He's eternal. Now when we make promises, we can only keep them as long as we're around to keep them, right? There's sometime we're going to be with him and not here. But God is eternal, and he's been there since eternity past, and he'll be here at eternity future. So you don't have to worry about him disappearing and somebody else taking over for him. He's truthful. He can't lie. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in verse 17 of, our, um, of Ephesians 2, oh, no, I'm sorry, so, um, and in John 6, 47, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. That's from the NIV. Bow your hearts, your hearts in an attitude of prayer, please. Heavenly Father, help us to perfect reflect you and your love to the world around us so that those who are lost will come to know you by the power of the Holy Spirit. To that end, please clothe us in your grace, your mercy, your patience, your kindness, your humility, and your meekness, your forgiveness, and your long-suffering, that we might reflect you in the most favorable light, bringing glory and honor to both you and your kingdom. Let your kingdom come, Lord Jesus. Amen.
salvation, new life born of death, new life born of death. Join me now in proclaiming the tenets of our faith using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he arose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As a family in Jesus Christ, let us pray. Dear Lord, creator of the universe and everything in it, we gather today to praise your holy trinity as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons yet one, almighty God. Holy Father, we often fail to recognize or thank you for all of the blessings you have given each of us every day, including our country, our families, our food and shelter, our medicines and medical professionals, and especially the faith we have in our eternal Savior, your only Son, Jesus. But Lord, we're surrounded by physical and mental misery, societal chaos, unchecked crime, unprecedented anger against everything and everyone, and frustration and despair, all a result of our collective and individual sin. We have inept and corrupt political leaders 
whom we have chosen, and our children are being taught poisonous lies in school that divide our society. The hypocrisy of those governing over those being governed is bold and unapologetic. On top of all this, we have a disease that humans may have created that has turned our world upside down, killing millions of people and continues to spread. All of this calamity shades our view of the beauty of your creation and the wonder of your blessings upon us. We are arrogant, self-righteous, proud. Please forgive us, Lord, for the problems we have introduced into your earth. We need you, and only you, to lead us out of this bottomless pit. Holy Spirit, thank you for giving us our faith in our Savior and for keeping us focused on his saving grace. Thank you for reminding us within our subconscious of our sins against our Father, a reminder that when we are still and realize it, that you are indeed present within us. Please fill our hearts and minds with your peace, assuring us that God Almighty, our Holy Father, has his plan in motion and that he is always close by hearing all of our thoughts and prayers, especially when we doubt, which we often do when life happens. Holy Father, you seem so far away. Please make your presence known to all the earth. Let there be no doubt to your glory. Strengthen us and guide us to overcome Satan and his agents who are active in our society. Holy Spirit, help and guide us to be kind to one another and reject and remove from political leadership or anywhere else in our society anyone who seeks to sow division between us. We pray for your church on earth its leaders, ministers, missionaries, and congregations of believers. Please, Holy Spirit, keep us true in our faith in Jesus, our Savior. Please continue to be with our small congregation of believers and family in Jesus Christ here at Reformation Lutheran Church. Thank you for keeping us safe from the ravages of the COVID virus. And thank you for protecting our pastor Ken and his family from harm. We give you thanks and praise for sending your servant, Pastor George Hines, to provide your gospel message while Pastor Ken takes some time off with his family to refresh his soul. Please grant Pastor Ken relaxation and renewed joy in the work you have called him to do. We pray for the firefighters battling wildfires through the Northwest states and for moderate weather to help firefighting efforts. We pray healing and comfort upon all those who have lost worldly possessions and family as a result of these fires. We also pray for the safety of our police, law enforcement officers, and armed forces personnel wherever serving our nation. As your Holy Spirit resides within us, you already know our hearts and minds and all of the concerns facing each one of us and our families and friends. Please grant us calmness as we await your answers to our prayers and keep us focused on your goodness and glory. Thank you for sending friends to carry your word of comfort when we struggle and for your living holy word in scripture that allows each of us to read your personal direction for our lives and responses to each of our worries and concerns at any given time or place. Please protect those who travel. Thank you for the demonstration of excellent sportsmanship between competitors in the Olympics, something we rarely see outside of that game. Thank you especially and always for the gift of your son, our eternal savior, Jesus Christ. Finally, now we share now with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts or spoken aloud. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Please share the peace with those around you.
Peace be with you. <laughs> Please bow your hearts in the attitude of prayer. Will you please pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, maker of all things, through who God is in your blessed us with his New York ourselves and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all you have made for the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty, our joy, that we should at all times, in all places, give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God. For the glorious resurrection of our Savior Jesus Christ, the true Paschal Lamb, who gave himself to take away our sin, who in dying has restored death, destroyed death, and in rising he brought us to eternal life. And so, with Mary Magdalene and Peter and all the witnesses of the resurrection, with earth and sea and all their creatures, and with the angels and archangels and cherubim and seraphim, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord of power and might, heaven Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. It's a man. The night in which our Lord and Savior was <coughs> betrayed, he gave thanks and broke the bread and said, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. In the same manner, after the supper, he took the cup and says, This is a new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us re prepare our hearts using the <clears throat> prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the glory and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
And receive the blessing that God gives you. And don't keep it for yourself. Share it with others. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he smile on you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Spirit 